Hey, how you doing? Uh, welcome in to your Wednesday session. Uh, this is Craig Beck from StopDrinkingExpert.com. And uh, it's the usual, ask me anything. Uh, I can take your comments wherever you're watching this, whether you're on Twitch or YouTube, not Facebook at the moment. That will be starting in a couple of weeks' time. But wherever you are, you can comment, and I will see your posts. Looks like we've got a fair few people already on board and here, which is good to see. Uh, so if you are new to the channel, click that subscribe button, uh, ring the bell so you get a notification when we go live, and put your comment below. Let me know who you are, where you're from, and what's your status? Are you sober? Are you thinking about quitting? Have you quit already? Are you struggling with it? Tell me what your current situation is. And if you have any questions at all, you can post them up today and I will do my best uh, to answer them or at least make something up that sounds plausible. How's that for you? Yeah. So we've got a fair few people here already. Hi to Maria in Athens. Uh, and I, it, my wife said to me yesterday, uh, actually this morning, we were walking the dogs and we were complaining about how cold it is here in Cyprus. Uh, my wife was mentioning that Athens is crazy at the moment. It's like like 30 centimeters of snow or something like that. And there's a country not set up to deal with snow. It's weird what's going on. Normally this time of year, Cyprus, about 10 degrees in the day, about four degrees at night. We've got like three degrees during the day here. It's just crazy. Uh, I've seen all your posts, Maria. I'll, I'll try and come back to you on those questions. Uh, Mateus, uh, welcome on board. Uh, I've seen your question. Thank you. Caesar's here. Good morning, Caesar. Welcome on board. Uh, JR's here uh, for, in Norway, uh, but it's cold in Norway at the moment, JR. Um, and thank you for the super sticker as well. Uh, who else have we got? Flubber Flobs from Springfield, PA. What's your opinion on naltrexone? We'll talk about that. David is here for, uh, in New Jersey. Good morning, David. Yeah, lots of people here. Say hello. I promise I will get to you. Um, Let's just have a look at the story I wanted to cover today, if I can find it. Uh, yeah, here we go. Let's bring this up. So uh, I wanted to talk about this, spotting the warning signs that you should quit drinking, because there will be a lot of people coming out the back of the pandemic that are questioning their drinking, that are saying, do I have a problem? I'm not sure if I do or not. So we'll come back to that. There's a few uh, good points to take a look at in there. Uh, also, let's just take a look at what's going on in the news surrounding, uh, surrounding alcohol as well. Uh, we'll start with the good news. Um, Non-alcoholic beers are finally good, and they're not just for dry January, according to this article in NPR by Bill Chappell. Now, I know non-alcoholic beers and wine are a bit of a contentious issue. It's a polarizer. Every time I talk about them, Half the people seem to be fine with it. Half the people seem to think, no, Craig, you shouldn't be talking about this. It's a huge trigger. And I think what I've discovered over the years is everyone is different. And you're right. For some people, non-alcoholic beer is a trigger. And you should stay away from it. From other people, it's just a nice, savory alternative to fruit-based drinks. Uh, I don't know about your like, but I have a more of a savory palate than a sweet palate. Um, I, I, I get really bored with sweet drinks. Uh, so I tend to drink water. That's my go-to. I drink sparkling water. Uh, but that gets really boring after a while. And what I really want is a kind of more malty, more savory drink. And I wish non-alcoholic beers were there to do that job. But they're kind of boring. 
And as this article says, uh, for years, non-alcoholic beer required a sacrifice to lose the buzz. You had to lose the flavor. Uh, but that's changed in recent years thanks to new technology that's letting brewers make beer that tastes great without the alcohol. Um, John Hall says non-alcoholic beers of the past tasted like punishment. True. Um, that's changed in recent years for fans of deep flavors of IPAs and porters with the baggage of alcohol. The new brews are hitting the spot. That's good to hear. You know, I'd, I'd love it if you could get a really strong, flavorsome, non-alcoholic beer. Uh, I've never found one that I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing. They're all kind of like, eh, you know, I'll stand with a, a bottle of this stuff at a party so people don't pester me to drink, but I'm not exactly, you know, enjoying the process. So just a brief mention for that. It does seem like, you know, the non-alcoholic sobriety scene is getting more and more press these days, which is really good. Um, let's talk more about how the pandemic is affecting drinking patterns. And as you would expect, it's not good. Uh, basically, numbers of alcohol, uh, people with alcohol problems has gone up quite dramatically. Perhaps most shocking at all of all is it does seem to be dramatically worse for women than men. According to this article, uh, men went into the pandemic and started drinking more, but they they tend to tended to taper off more towards the end of the pandemic. And potentially, as they saw some of the negative impacts hitting them. And also, there's a lot of insecurity around jobs at the moment. And so there, there perhaps has been a little bit of pressure on men in the traditional role uh, to to see the potential for them losing their job and having to be at you know top of their game, and so have cut back on the drinking. But apparently, according to research, uh, women have not tapered off. And in fact, the pandemic has left behind a lot of women who now have a quite severe drinking problem. Um, it says here, overall, men's alcohol use has tended to be higher than women's during the pandemic. However, alcohol use decreased steadily for men over the nine-month period, whereas it remained fairly stable for women. And there's another story on this as well. Uh, this is in CNN Health. It says the pandemic may have created a nation of problem drinkers, and many more are women, which is disappointing. Uh, it says this is shocking, actually. For women, there's been a 41% increase in heavy drinking days among women since the onset of pa the pandemic. A 41% increase. Shocking. And, it's, and, you know, it's easy to point fingers, isn't it? But as you would expect, behind this increase the evil, narcissistic, sociopathic drinks industry has got its claws out again. There has been a lot of marketing of new alcohol products targeting women, especially moms. Did you know there is a brand of wine called Mommy's Little Helper? How sick is that? So it's not really a surprise that... You know, people at home in lockdown and struggling to make ends meet. And here come the alcohol companies to peddle. Hey, we can help you with this. Just drink this poison. Uh, there's lots of research going on at the moment. Because when the number of women drinking goes up, then the amount of breast cancer goes up as well. Because there is a very direct and clear link now evident between drinking and breast cancer. And if you have a genetic predisposition to get breast cancer, it runs in your family, and you drink alcohol. I'm sorry to put it so bluntly, but you are basically saying, give me breast cancer, please. It's, it's that dramatic. Look into this. If you're worried about this, 
If it runs in your family and you are drinking now, use this as motivation that today you're going to make that decision to get started on this sober journey. Okay. So before we jump into the uh, the blog article that's on the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com, let's just say hello to a few people because I know I'm missing uh, a few people here who've jumped in. Um, Dorian's here. Welcome in. Um, who else we got here? Nurse Babs, uh, Pennsylvania. Davey Andrews from Arizona. Uh, Angela's in from Australia. Welcome, Angela. KB from Arizona as well. Uh, Anat uh, uh, Kaki, uh, 27 days today by your course. Thanks, sir. You superstar, you. Uh, Ash is here as well. Dawn Marie. Um, Leslie's on board. We got Robert here. Robert, I did get your question in the email. I promise we'll come to that. Neo's here as well. Uh, Bourneville, Slavy's on board, and Todd H as well. Okay. The gang are here. Welcome into your Wednesday meeting. So this is the um, this is the blog article that I wanted to talk about. Uh, while I'm just running through this, if you can think of a question you want to ask, uh, then post it up now, and I'll come back to it when we get through this. I uh, just wanted to kind of highlight these red flags that you should be looking out for. And if you're one of those people that started drinking a bit more heavily during the pandemic, then this could be quite important. Um, I'd say the, the first one, you consume alcohol on a daily basis. Uh, it's amazing how it creeps up. You know, it's 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 when work and leisure blur together. And whereas you would have been at work, you know, nine to five, 96 or whatever you worked, and then you'd come home and you might occasionally have a glass of wine with dinner. You suddenly find that you're at home at 11 o'clock in the morning and you're bored and you're thinking, should I have a cup of tea? Or, hey, why don't I have a glass of wine? Why not? And it feels a bit like you're being cheeky and you're beating the system and you're being naughty. But that very quickly turns into a routine. And ask yourself an honest question. Do you drink most days? It's If you're drinking alcohol routinely, you are developing a problem. You are somewhere on that road. Another warning sign, you prefer to drink alone. Uh, you might think, well, why? Because, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a loner. I'm a bit of an uh, introverted person. I like to do a lot of things on my own. Why is this a problem? I think when it comes to alcohol, drinking on your own is indicative that you don't want certain things to happen while you're drinking. You don't want people to comment on your drinking. You don't want other people to pour your drinks because you know how small pub measures are and you want to pour your own drink. You want to be in control of your supply of the drug. You don't want people questioning your behavior. You're embarrassed about how much you're drinking and you don't want other people to see that. And, you know, going along with drinking on your own is other disguising habits like, um, you know, taking out the recycling when Nobody else is looking. You get up early and take it out. Or you take it out just before the recycling guys come, just so nobody can see just how many empties you're throwing out. Those sort of things that have become routine to you, you just need to stop for a moment and go, hang on a minute. This is, this is a bad sign. Um, loved ones have asked you to quit drinking or they've commented on your drinking in a negative way. Because, look, let me... It, it, generally when someone questions our drinking, when we're not ready to deal with it, we go into defensive mode and we make statements like, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not hurting anyone but myself. So, you know, keep your nose out of my business or I can stop anytime I like, or 
You know I'm having a tough time at the moment. It's just to take the edge off. Excuses that sound perfectly logical, but are really disguising a bigger problem. You know, statements like, I'm only hurting myself. It's my body. So stop having a go at me. Well, you know, as we know, having an alcoholic, having a problem drinker in the family doesn't just affect that person. It affects everyone in the family, doesn't it? And you'll know this if, you're, if you had a, you know, a problem drinking parent. It wasn't just a problem they carried themselves. It was something that permeated the entire family life. It caused problems everywhere. So that's not true. And that statement, I can stop anytime I like, is, is a statement people believe until they realize they can't. And then they panic. And unfortunately, us drinkers have a way of dealing with panic and anxiety. And can you guess what it is? And this is how the, the spiral downwards you know, starts to accelerate. You feel horrible when you can't drink. As in, you just can't have a good time if there's no drinks available. You're miserable. Someone invites you to a party and tells you that it's non-alcoholic. You kick and scream like a little baby. You have a tantrum and say you don't want to go. It's going to be boring. You won't do things with the kids because you can't drink. You know, you start to make bad decisions. The family want to do this thing, but you can't drink there, so you don't go. You know, and I was guilty of that. You know, the kids wanted to do stuff at the weekend. I would manipulate them and persuade them to, you know, let's go to Blockbuster Video and we'll hire some videos and we'll have a movie day, kids. Yeah, you know. What movie day meant in my house was me sitting on the sofa paralytic and the kids watching movies that that was movie day not exactly great parenting was it um killer hangovers is sometimes sometimes not sometimes you don't get any hangover at all but this is important you've pushed away friends and colleagues because of your drinking patterns you've damaged relationships with other people because either alcohol made you say and do things that don't fit with who you are as a person, or B, you chose drinking over being with people you love, which is very common. So do any of those ring a bell for you? Any of those sounding alarm bells? Then if the answer is yes, I encourage you to make today the day you take action. And if you want an easy first step, Go to my website, stopdrinkingexpert.com, and join me for a free quit drinking webinar later, and I'll explain how the process works. So let's leave that there for now. Uh, I hope that helps. Uh, and let's have a look at some of these questions here. Uh, say hello to a few more people. Paul is here from Toronto. Uh, I think it's three years since I've been to Toronto. Pandemic's just frozen everything, hasn't it? Uh, Pat Foster from Yorkshire. Which part of Yorkshire, Pat? I used to live in Bradford. Uh, lived in Hull for a while as well. Um, Cindy's here from North Carolina. Uh, who else we got? Garp from North Carolina as well. Okay, let's... Um, and Jan from Perth, Australia has just popped up as well. Hi, Jan. Welcome on in. Okay, uh, so let's have a look at this question from Robert. He emailed me earlier. Have you ever seen any couples where one person stops drinking and the other does not and the relationship stays together? Um, I, it's, that's a difficult one to answer, Robert, because they, it's, it's a two-part answer. I've seen yes. I've seen many couples, but I don't keep in touch with them. You know, I don't check in every year and say, are you still together? 
I, I hear of couples who do it. One member of the, the partnership stops drinking, the other carries on. And they check in with me after a few months and they say, yeah, it's going great. But that's where my interaction with them stops. You know, I don't I don't have an ongoing relationship with people who've done this. So I can't tell you that they managed to sustain it for 5, 10, 15 years. I don't know. I'm sure there are. But what I will say is it's much more difficult um, because, look, here's the reality of of life. I believe the person you are today is kind of a mishmash of the five people you spend the most time with. Your standards, your mor morals, your beliefs, your behaviors, your habits are a collective of the five people you spend the most time with. All right. So if one of those people is your partner, and it probably will be, and they are a heavy drinker, it is going to seep into your personality and your character. You've probably seen this, you know. Do you say things? Do you have expressions and now little quirks that you never had before you met your partner? Things that they do and now you do, and it's just kind of seeped into your behavior? Well, that happens with all the people that you spend the most time with. So it is more difficult. Um, so what I, what I always say to people is you have to be kind of single-minded about this. This has to be something you do for you not something you do for your relationship. This is a tightrope walk. You, you can't do this together. You're going to have to do it on your own anyway. And it is going to be more difficult if you've got somebody in the house who's a heavy drinker and they refuse to stop. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. But what I would say is it requires their assistance, whether they like it or not. And you need to sit them down and explain to them why you're making this decision. If they're, if they're still in the drinking loop, they're going to try and talk you out of it because this is terrifying to them, that there's now going to be somebody in the house highlighting their low standards. You are going to be causing them psychological pain every time you refuse to drink with them. So they're not going to like it. But hopefully you're in a relationship where your partner loves you and cares for you and is willing to bring in some self-sacrifice. But you do need to sit down with them and explain in graphic detail why you're stopping drinking. And you need to stack that argument so they understand that even from their point of view, it's worse if you carry on drinking. And, you know, cancer and health and things like that are important things to bring in. If you sit down with them, you say, look, there is a history of cancer in my family. There's a history of cirrhosis in my family. If I don't stop drinking now, I'm going to be dead in a few years' time, and our children won't have a mother or a father. Can you help me do this? You know, and ask them directly to get involved. Can you help me do this? Get them to say yes so they're a willing participant. And then you need to ask them a favor. You need to say, look, I'm not asking you to stop drinking, but do you think we could have an alcohol-free home? Go out to the bars if you want and drink as much as you want. Go out to restaurants and drink. But do you think we could have no alcohol in the house? Now, I think probably there's a, there's a spectrum here. You know, half the, half the partners are going to say, yeah, I understand what you're trying to do. I'm going to support you. I love you. Yeah, no problem. Let, let's do that. And the other half are going to say, no way. You're not sucking the fun out of my life. This is the best thing I've got. I love my drinking. I love blah, 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 blah. No way. So if you're dealing with the second, then you need to ask for a compromise. You need to say, okay, I understand. But do you think we could have an alcohol-free home for a month? just while I get started. 
and again, I think half the half these people are going to say, yeah, okay, for a month I can do it, no problem, I support you. And the other half are still going to say, no way, <laughs> not a chance. And if you're still in the latter section, I think you've got bigger problems than alcohol. Your relationship maybe needs a little bit of work because if they're not willing to support you even that much, then you know you may get sober and make some pretty dramatic decisions. So, Robert, it's a, not a clear-cut answer, but then they rarely are. Uh, the answer is yes, but I can't, I can't give you any data on it. Before I jump into another question, let me just tell you, I've just set up a Telegram group uh, for Stop Drinking Expert uh, where you can post up questions in a, ahead of time if you would like me to answer them and also chat with community members as well. There's probably no members of it apart from me at the moment, but if you would like to join and you are uh, familiar with Telegram, you can download it for free, and this is the link to get it. Um, Stop drinking expert. If you can search for that as well, you'll find it as well. So let's get rid of that and let's have a look at these comments and see who I've missed out on. Um, let's have a look. Maria. Maria posted up a lot of messages right at the start of the feed. She says she's hanging on by a thread. She's so tempted to drink. Uh, passion about my sobriety, gone. No way to bring it back. No way to treat it as my vegan passion for food. I fantasize about drinking and having fun and giggles, but also numbing out. Okay. <laughs> you're making a lot of statements there, Maria. And you're, you're making statements of fact that aren't fact. You are making presumptions. You are fortune telling. Uh, there's no way to bring it back. It's like you've said, I've tried everything. You haven't. You've tried lots of things, and there is a way to bring it back. You just haven't discovered it yet. Um, look, you're, you're kind of you're trapped in this, this laser beam at the moment, aren't you? You're just thinking constantly about alcohol, and you, you've trapped yourself in a loop. But it's temporary, okay? It's temporary. It will end. I know it feels compelling at the moment, but it will come to an end. And you've got to realize there are external factors at play that might be making this happen. For example, you live in Athens and you're knee-deep in snow. This is weird. It's unusual. It's cold. It's gloomy. It's raining. There are loads of things going on at this time of year that affect your mental health and affect you, the way you look at life. And you probably, you know, you and I live in hot countries, Maria, where we're used to having lots of sunshine, being able to go out in T-shirts and just, you know, always feeling warm and having, going to the beach and things like that, spending time by the sea. In winter, it feels so dramatically different from our normal life that it can be depressing, can't it? You're locked in four walls and you're watching Netflix and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm so bored. And then the evil clown in your head goes, ah, okay, this is how we're going to get them. They're bored. Let's just throw in a few memories of times in the past when alcohol and fun, alcohol and giggles went together. But your language here is romanticizing alcohol. You're having a little love affair in your mind with the drug here. This is not reality. You know, fun and giggles. You're using words about a drug that tried to kill you. This is a drug that wanted to take everything you love and hold dear and destroy it. It wanted you dead. 
you have fallen in love with a serial killer. And so when you're using language like this, it's like Stockholm syndrome. It, to me, it sounds like you are romanticizing your abuser. You're saying, ah, oh, you know, he's not that bad. And maybe he, he wants the best for me. His intentions are good. And he's, you know, you're defending the person, the clown who is abusing you. You got to give yourself a bit of a slap about this because the language you're using in your head is not healthy. And it's not good because it's not right. It's not true. You're lying to yourself. Alcohol tried to kill you. And that is still its mission. I just, I implore you not to let it do that. It's waiting for you. And you just need to pull the trigger, fill that glass, and he's got you. Make a decision. That's not what you want. You're going you're gonna to feel better. The sun's going to come out. Life's going to feel better. You're going to be busy doing stuff that you enjoy. And this moment will fade. I know it's kind of passing the baton back to you, but this, you know, we all take responsibility for our own situation. You know, if I came on here and said, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm drinking again, can you help me? I wouldn't really expect anyone to be able to help me. I've got to do it myself and you've got to do it yourself. Harsh. Wow, it's really harsh. <laughs> Let me have a drink of coffee and try and cheer up. <laughs> um, JR, how's Norway? Is it is it absolutely freezing? Um, uh, Matthias wants to know. Uh, okay, okay. There's a, there's a bit of arguing going on here. Uh, where's Matthias? Uh, here we go. Uh, Matthias, have you ever tried any other drugs and alcohol? Yes, I have, um, but uh, not not for extended periods of time because. Uh, I tried. I smoked for about two weeks when I was at school, and then I didn't do any other drugs apart from alcohol until I was about thirty years old, and then I had a, a, my first midlife crisis, probably. Um, and I, I thought to myself, "I'm thirty years old. I've never tried any drugs. I should. I should. I should at least try it." <laughs> One of my wiser decisions. And I went to Amsterdam um, with some friends, and. It was a recipe for disaster because I we went on the ferry from England to uh, to Holland to Amsterdam and I drank continuously for 24 hours. I didn't go to bed at all. I just drank continuously for a full day and then got to Amsterdam and went crazy and tried everything I could get my hands on uh, and ended up in the hospital. I, I ended up in the back of an ambulance, rushed to hospital um, and had my stomach pumped. Uh, very embarrassing, very shameful. Um, but it was so horrendous, it was so horrible. Uh, that's my only interaction with other drugs. <laughs> it was horrible. It was like, it was just the worst experience of my life. So there you go, Mateus. I know um, um, people are complaining you're asking the question a lot, but yeah, but it didn't work out well for me. And you could argue that Alcohol didn't work out well for me either. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, oh, okay. That's an important one. Flubber Flops. Uh, hi, Craig from Springfield. Uh, what's your opinion on naltrexone? Uh, naltrexone is an opioid inhibitor. It was a drug created to deal with heroin addiction, really, not alcohol. But they found it worked on alcohol as well. Uh, it is the drug behind the Sinclair method, 
And the Sinclair method is based on what is called extinction theory. Um, and what naltrexone does is it, it, it stops your brain feeling the euphoria of alcohol. So you get drunk, you feel terrible, but you don't get any of the up. You don't feel happy and jolly and giggly and all that stuff that comes before the bad stuff comes. You just get the bad stuff. And the theory is you take the tablet and keep drinking. You take a tablet an hour before you drink, and every time you drink, you go, oh, okay, don't feel anything. But you get the hangover. You feel, you feel, you know, all the negative stuff. And the theory is that after a, after enough time of just getting no benefits and only bad, you go, oh, I'm bored with that. I don't want to drink anymore. Why? It doesn't give me anything. And so you just leave it behind. Um, for the there's a lot of people who are very vocal about it being very effective. Uh, I'm not sure what the success rate is. The only thing I can tell you is I tried it. Uh, and for me, the problem was the side effects of naltrexone was so horrendous that I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Naltrexone made me feel 10 times worse than a hangover. So here you're into the in the difficult situation of having to force yourself to, to take a tablet that's going to make you feel like you have a really horrible hangover. It takes serious willpower to do that. And you know how I feel about willpower. It doesn't work. So it just didn't, it wasn't something I could do because it was, it was horrendous. I would get a really rapid heart rate. I would panic thinking I'm about to have a heart attack. My heart rate was going so fast that I was terrified that I was about to faint and pass out. I would be dizzy. I would be unable to concentrate. I'd be unable to drive. So for me, I, maybe it's just me personally, the side effects of naltrexone were horrendous. Couldn't cope with it. Didn't work for me. Uh, Antabuse didn't work for me either. Um, but that's that's a different story. Um, but, you know, try it, you know, but do it with a, a medical supervision. Go to a clinic where they do that. I know there's one in London now that specializes in just doing uh, Sinclair method and prescribing naltrexone. It's expensive. Um, I think you're probably talking, you know, a couple of hundred pounds a month in prescription fees, plus your consultancy fees. It's expensive, but hey, if it works. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Dorian, greetings from Spain, three years sober. Uh, I'd have to say thank you because you helped a lot. You're very welcome. And three years is super impressive. Congratulations. Uh, if you've just joined us, by the way, say hello. And if you're sober, how long are you sober? Put your number up and we'll give you a shout out. Um, Ash, I believe I have a problem, but I don't know where to start to stop because it's used for celebration, literally everything. Everything! Yeah, yeah. It's, Ash, look, everyone here who's quit drinking knows exactly how you feel. You sit there thinking, oh, God, i got to stop drinking. But how can I live the rest of my life without alcohol? How am I going to go through Christmas? How am I going to have a birthday? How am I, what am I going to do on vacation? I go to these all-inclusive resorts. How am I going to fly? They give me business class and they give me champagne. How, you know, and it goes on and on and on. It's so interwoven into your life now, Ash, that it just seems impossible, doesn't it? It seems impossible to consider that you're going to have any sort of life without alcohol in it. I get it. We all get it. Um, and it's a really tough one because the only thing I can, I can, the only thing I can say to you now, and I'll make a statement now, right? And you won't believe it. But 
I know that if you do this in three months time, you'll get in touch with me and you'll say, you were so right, Craig. I can't, you, I can't believe how inadequate the words you used were to describe how I feel. Every aspect of life is better without alcohol. Not just a little bit, a million percent. Every area and aspect of your life, as you know it now, is a pale shadow of what it will be like when you are living a happy, sober existence. I mean Christmas, I mean birthdays, I mean vacation, I mean day-to-day, -day, I mean your relationships, I mean sex. I mean everything gets better when you stop drinking poison on a routine basis. The first step you should take is go to my webinar and I will explain how the course works. Go to stopdrinkingexpert.com, sign up for the webinar later today and I'll talk you through it. I know where you are and you're not on your own. Uh, Leslie. Hi, Leslie. How's Arizona? I bet it's warmer than here. Great topic. Glad you agree. Um, let's have a look. Hey, Craig, been 10 days clean now. Uh, things are going incredibly well. Just want to say thanks for your help with this journey. Your content has been pivotal to my commitment. Cheers, mate. You're very welcome, Neo. Uh, Bourneville. Are you in Birmingham, Bourneville? Um, Slavi, uh, good morning. Greetings uh, from California. Thank you, Slavi. What else we got here? Uh, let's see if there's any questions. Jem, uh, I'm loving these videos. They're a tremendous support and help to me. I'm replacing drinking at home by picking up my guitar instead. It's a great distraction. Thank you so much for all you do. Great idea. Do something that you used to love that you, you dumped because you preferred to drink instead. Perfect. Uh, Onel, uh, good morning from Connecticut, USA. Got a lot of early risers in the States. Uh, Pat Foster, I've been taking medication called Ozempic for diabetes, uh, but I bought it for weight loss. It is safe. Is it, are you asking a question? Is it is it safe, this med? It's put me off alcohol. It's changed my taste because I don't like alcohol. Uh, Ozempic, is that the one you inject into your stomach? Uh, there's, there's kind of two, isn't there, that, that, that were developed for diabetes, I think, but have become weight loss. Um, I can't remember the, the name of the other one, but there's one that's a tablet form and there's one that you inject into your stomach on a daily basis. Um, I, are you asking me, is it safe? I don't know. I'm not a pharmacist. Um, I presume if, if, it's, if you're getting it legally through a doctor, it's been certified as safe in your country. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard of it, people using it for alcohol. Perhaps it, that's just kind of a niche side benefit that you're getting from it. Uh, maybe you're discovering something that they'll use it for in the in the future. Um, but you see, the thing is with alcohol, a lot of people are aware that it tastes horrible. And they're not drinking it for the taste. They're drinking it for the result. You know, when I speak to a lot of people, I ask them, what do you drink? And they say vodka. And I say, let me guess, you drink vodka because, vodka because, not because you like the taste, but because it gets the job done. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. Gets the job done. It's not about the taste for a lot of people. Um, hello, David. <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, oh, Hull, really, Pat? Oh, Pat's in Hull. Uh, 
I used to run the radio station in Hull, Pat, Viking FM. I was there, ooh, 2006 to 2008, something like that. I used to live on Victoria Dock. Um, yeah, I still go to Hull. JR, it shocked me when I found out how alike we are with this problem. I thought for a period I was an idiot and crazy. Now when sober, I know what the poison, the poison was playing me. I know love life and me. It's true, JR. You know, when I wrote Alcohol Lied to Me, I had no idea that, you know, 12 years down the road, I'd be sitting on YouTube talking about alcohol. I wrote Alcohol Lied to Me with the mindset, people are going to read this and think I'm nuts, but maybe it'll help a couple of people. And I can't, I didn't even, I finished it, published it, and then didn't even think about it for six months. And then slowly people started emailing me saying, you just described me to a T. And I thought, oh, really? I thought I was just a weirdo. Uh, you know, alcohol. It's a great illusion. Uh, turning tree. Craig, great to see you. Thanks for all your guidance. You're very welcome. Uh, I am well. Thank you. Uh, Blue Monday. It's not Monday, though, Bob. <laughs> it's Wednesday. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, let's have a look. Kepler, I'm only drinking in the pub and not at home. I only go once a week to the pub to see my mates. This works for me. Okay. Uh, i got to ask you the question. Why are you here? What made you come to a Stop Drinking uh, YouTube channel? I think there's something you're not telling us. Uh, JR to Maria. Maria, listen up. He says, JR says, it's just your ego talking. Sober life is the best. It's like being born again. Uh, six degrees, beach weather soon. Thank you. Um, Slavi says, walking the rope, no one is going to do it for you. Get to acceptance and take responsibility for your life. Get out of victim mode and get into victory mode. Yeah, it's, you know, these statements, uh, you know, they sound good. To, when you're not in that place, though, they, they're they're kind of annoying, aren't they? You know, someone someone says, "Yeah, you can do it." And you think, "No, I can't." Um, but that that word there is really important: acceptance. It, when when you're battling with not drinking, it, it's like you're not in a state of acceptance. You have not accepted that this is your life. Sobriety is a part of who you are. You're still having that internal battle. Uh, and it, the sooner you can get into a, an acceptance mode, and I think I believe that comes from gratitude. You, you need to be constantly in a, a mentality of gratitude about what sobriety is giving you, and constantly reminding yourself whether that's you know with little affirmations to yourself or by doing the four two one journal that you know I'm a big advocate of writing down on a daily basis. My life is amazing. Even when it's not, even when your life sucks, there are still things amazing about it, you know? And, and you, you just need to have a little look around at what's going on in the world, and you'll quickly realize that your life's pretty, pretty good. Pushkins, hello from Serbia. Welcome in. Um, uh, Jorge, you, uh, nice to see you more active, Craig. You've been a blessing in my life. Thank you. You're very welcome. Maureen. Let's hear it for Maureen, 10 days sober, superstar, well done. Uh, 
Uh, Craig, uh, you tell it like it is. It's up to oneself to change. Who wants to hear that? It's easier to blame everyone and everything else for your weakness. Being there, done that. Yeah. My kids tell me that I'm far too black and white. Uh, and I think, yeah, I know what they mean. You know, if my kids haven't got any money, I say, you know, I say things to them like, well, you better work a bit harder or you better find a way to make more money. And they go, well, that's not very helpful, dad. And I think, well, yeah, but, you know, you got to fight, haven't you? you? It's my favorite quote is that Rocky quote. You know, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Let's have a look. Uh, oh, uh, Anita, 27 days sober, but too much smoking cigarette nowadays than before. Um, my friend in England uh, runs a smoking cessation clinic in Manchester. He's called Mark Keane. Uh, Google him and email him and tell him I sent you. Uh, he works for Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. He's the best guy out there to stop you smoking. Um Bullets, uh, I've been sober for a month. This is my second attempt. First one lasted only five months. I dread my 50th anniversary party in May when lots of people will come to the party. Yeah, I get you. Uh, maybe you could have your wife, I'm assuming you're married, or your partner ring around and ask them not to buy you alcohol as a gift. Not because I don't believe you're strong enough. I just think it's a waste. My friend Robert, Robert Bukal, he wrote the, he translated Alcohol Lied, me, lied to Me into German. You'll find it in uh, Amazon.de. It's called Alcohol Hat mit Belogen. Um, he said when it was his 50th and he'd stopped drinking using my process, uh, he had a 50th birthday party and he got something like 100 bottles of wine and spirits as presents. Uh what in what a waste so maybe just have a a buzz round and ask them not to do that you know look i know that sounds like spoil sport and party pooper but just change the drug imagine you just you just managed to kick cocaine and you were going to have a party in a few weeks time and you knew all your friends were going to bring cocaine would it seem unreasonable if you rang them and said hey do you mind not bringing cocaine to my party it's not unreasonable at all, is it? In fact, it would be it would be mean and horrible for someone to bring cocaine to a party of someone who's just managed to kick cocaine, wouldn't it? It's just you know, it's the social bubble that we live in around this drug. But you have every right to to ask people not to try and trip you up. Uh, Saxenda, that's there. Yeah, that's the. Is that the drug that goes into your stomach? I, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, thank you, Bullet. Okay, um, let's have a look. What else we got here? What do you think? Um, hi, Maureen. What do you think of Annie Grace's book? Uh, Annie Grace and her book, This Naked Mind. Uh, I don't know a great deal about Annie Grace. I know that she quotes me quite a lot in the book. So I'm guessing she read it at some point during her journey to sobriety. Uh, I think she's done very well. Uh, she's She's got a good publisher and she's done some very good work. Uh, and I think she's been very successful. I, I've not experienced her course or seen her speak live or anything like that, but she seems like a good person, doing a good job. That's that's as much as I know, I'm afraid. Uh, Dr. D, good morning. Almost one month and now setting a target on three months. 
Uh, the only thing I disagree with you about is the EC, uh, about the evil clown. No credit to alcohol, it's all mine. Uh, no credit to alcohol, it's all mine. Yeah, okay, well, fine. Um, so look, Todd H. Uh, for me, alcohol became very restricting. What are you going to do after you drank a six-pack at home by noon? Nothing. That's what the day is over. Being alcohol-free is taking the shackles off. That is so true, Todd. You know, if you if your day includes alcohol, then the rest of the day is gone. And if every day includes alcohol, then you know what you're living? A mediocre life. You might get up in the morning and do a few chores and do a few bits and bobs and do the bare minimum, pay your bills and such and such. As soon as you start drinking, the rest of the day, dead. Because even if you want to do something, you're not going to have the energy or ability, and you're not even going to be able to drive anywhere. So it just writes off the whole day. You are so right. It's a great point. Tim, good morning, Craig. Five weeks in, experiencing anxiety that doesn't seem to be waning. Any suggestions? First of all, congratulations on the five weeks. That's excellent. Um, chances are, Tim, you had an anxiety problem that the alcohol was covering up to a certain extent because it's a mild anesthetic uh, and it disconnects you from the world. Uh, I think you've got to, you've got to see this as a gift in a way that, you know, the taking the alcohol out has revealed something in your life that needs addressing. Uh, and, you know, maybe you came to me for help with stopping drinking. Now you need to find someone who's an expert in anxiety to help you with that. Go and see your doctor would be the first thing and, and start to do some research on, healthy ways to deal with anxiety. i tell you what we're going to do next week, first week in February. Uh, my good friend, Andrew Bridgewater, is an expert in depression and anxiety. Uh, and he's he's a, a chartered psychiatrist, a psychologist, sorry. He's personally had experience in this area. Uh, he tells the story about his life got so bad at one point he was institutionalized. He was put into a mental facility for his own protection. Um, and basically worked out how to come from bottom to where he is now, top of the world, without taking medication. We're going to get him on this live feed hopefully next week. So make sure you're uh, you're watching for that one. He will have some great points. Uh, Cayman Passion Art. Uh, it's been six months. I got a divorce and alcohol became my everyday routine, thinking I was socializing, coping with a divorce. Now it's a nightmare. I live in the Cayman Islands. Alcohol is everywhere. Um, so do you mean you, you've been sober for six months, Cayman, or it's six months of drinking um, and you're in a nightmare now? Um, give me some clarity on that. If you have not yet started this journey, then, you know, congratulations on being here. You're taking the first step. The next step is to actively do this, not just passively. Don't just watch, actually do it. Uh, and again, I'd recommend that you sign up for my webinar today and I'll talk you through how it works. Um, Maria P. Uh, thank you, Craig. Oh, you make me blush. Uh, you really spoke to my heart and mind. Good. Good. Come to Cyprus. We'll have a coffee, Maria. You're just an hour away um, when this stupid pandemic's out of the way. Pat says, stopping alcohol gives you much more confidence, puts a spring back in your step. It really does. It really does. Everything is better. Um, Samuel, good morning. Uh, I now realize drinking is poison. I never realized how bad it really is. 
When you're drinking, you honestly believe that alcohol is something good in your life. You look at your life, which sometimes can be a disaster area, and you think, well, at least I can have a nice drink. It's only when you stop drinking that you realize how deluded you were, that actually not only was the alcohol causing all your problems, that it, was, and it, that it wasn't a benefit in any way. It was, it was just another negative. You had a life full of negatives, except one of them you incorrectly labeled as a positive. Um, let's have a look. Craig Ashley. Craig speaks the truth. Uh, Cayman, uh, three days sober, six months of drinking, just joined AA three days ago. Okay, good. And how's AA working out for you? Do you like it? Is it helping? Um, just interested. Um, you know, works works for some people, not for others. Other people, some people absolutely love it and rave about it. I'm just interested to know what you think of it. Uh, Kathy, how do you sign up? Oh, how do you sign up for your webinar? Kathy, just go to stopdrinkingexpert.com forward slash webinar. Uh, or just go to the main site. It'll be obvious. Stopdrinkingexpert.com. You put in your email address, you pick a time, and you turn up and you sit and watch. Uh, and if you make it through my <laughs> my ramblings to the end, I give you a download link for my book, which is free of charge. This is a kind of thank you for staying. Um, and I'll just talk you through how my approach works and how it's kind of different from other things that you've seen. So there we go, about 50 minutes. Uh, thank you so much for being with me today. Just a reminder that uh, there's a new Telegram group, which has just started today. If you're a user of Telegram, that's the address to go and get it, or just do a search for Stop Drinking Expert, absolutely free. And it will be a little online community where you can post up questions in advance of these live feeds. Uh, if you're new to the channel, please ring that bell down there and click the subscribe button and like this video. It really helps me get more eyes onto this website so we can help more and more people who are struggling with their drinking. And as we know, the pandemic has really not done us any favors in that regard. We have something like 40% more problem drinkers than we had before the pandemic now. It's, it's not a good place to be. So thank you much, very much for watching today. Uh, I will be back on Friday for another live stream. It is 2 p.m. UTC, uh, which is also the same as GMT. So 2 o'clock in the afternoon if you're in the UK, 4 o'clock here in Cyprus uh, or wherever it is, wherever you are. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and I will see you in the next episode. Imagine waking up tomorrow. No hangover. No feelings of guilt or regret just full of energy and vitality. That goal is not only possible, it's easily achievable. Find out how 200,000 people just like you have rediscovered their happy, sober lives using the Stop Drinking Expert program. Reserve your place on today's free Quit Drinking webinar and get a copy of my best-selling book, Alcohol Lied to Me, as a free gift just for turning up.